0: It's Christmas time, it's Christmas, it's here, it's here. My name's Pete, this is Social Distance. Hey, yeah, happy Christmas to everybody. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope that you have a couple of days of rest and relaxation and contemplation. Now, we've got a great show for you, the centerpiece of which is something totally new. It is a conversation with a friend that I had about some films, because so many of us are going to be at home, and quite a lot of us are going to be on our own this. Christmas so we thought well what are great Christmas films that people love watching we went for A Muppet's Christmas Carol we went for Home Alone of course obviously you have to do that and we went for Outbreak <laughs> which is the Dustin Hoffman classic really good film but well, it's not that good but anyway it's uh pertinent you know because of the COVID-19 and also for the first time in my life I watched Scrooged quite a lot of the conversation is about Scrooge, so that's coming up in a moment but first of all we do have to address the worsening crisis in the UK we've just come through a kind of border scuffle which is going to take a couple of days to get over Um, but for a while back there um, for two days and a little bit more Uh, The UK was, you know, this island of despair where nobody could leave and nobody could enter. And psychologically, uh, it's slightly damaging to kind of put yourself in that situation, even if it's even if you don't even plan to leave the house. You know, to think that, you know, nobody wants to come to the UK and nobody can leave is uh, slightly worrying. But hopefully, you know, we're not going to run out of cauliflowers. I love fucking cauliflower, man. I really don't want to run out of cauliflower. Uh, Now, uh, we of course can blame it on, to a certain extent, the new variant that people think uh, started in Kent. Fucking Kent. And uh, it's everywhere now in the UK. It's also in lots of other countries as well. Country after country are pinging up saying, oh, yeah, we've got it too. We've got it too even in Australia. We've got it too. So today, Wednesday, Hattie Mancock said that a whole bunch of places are going into Tier 4 and a couple of other places are going into Tier 3. He also said that Tier 3 is ineffective against uh, the new variant, which is everywhere now. Uh, which begs the question, well, why the hell is Devon still in tier two? As a you know, example of a place that is still in tier two, not even in tier three, if even tier three is ineffective. And Jenny Harry is unbelievably she was asked about schools because it looks like now there is evidence that it's spreading uh, quicker with uh, kids under 15 in particular. Uh, but Jenny Harry said, Oh, no, no, there's no evidence that um, you know school the school children are getting covid nineteen at school. We need to monitor what they're doing at the school gate, and then afterwards, like you know during the school day afterwards, oh yeah, the idea that the kids aren't getting covid nineteen when they're sitting next to each other with twenty nine other people around them a fucking joke so anyway, she totally fails to impress me every single time she opens her mouth. And it also looks like this new variant, people who get it are three times more infective, which isn't very good. Anyway, those new restrictions, that happens on Boxing Day. But we do also have this uh, bump, if you like, of Christmas to get over. 36,000 plus cases, positive cases yesterday in the UK, which is a record. And, you know, hospital admissions are up deaths are obviously going up and of course there's a big lag on deaths so that's going to be going up for a long long time and we don't know when people are going to be getting the vaccine uh, it may be april now i hear until i get the vaccine on the news i haven't heard anything obviously from the gp so you know you think your fourth isn't bad on the list but who knows you know so it's going to be a ugly couple of months like joe biden was saying you know the worst Unfortunately, might be ahead of us, uh, even in Britain, and of course we know how virulent it is in the United States at the moment. But let's try to set aside all of that for a few days at least over Christmas. I really hope you've had a you're you're going to have. (laughs) I really hope you've had a wonderful Christmas already. (laughs) Well, I don't know when you're listening to this. If you are listening post Christmas, I hope you've had a good one. If you're listening pre-Christmas, I hope you are going to have a good Christmas. If you are listening on Christmas Day, uh, how, I hope it's going... Is it, how's it going? Is it going well, yeah? Did Santa get you what you want, yeah? Do you call him Santa or Father Christmas? Or do you call him Krampus? Yeah, but it's, you know, been a crazy year. And, you know, hopefully Christmas is okay. Of course, it's not like what anyone wants. And even, you know, people that are OK with, you know, kind of not meeting up with, with, e- with each other and with their families. Obviously, you know, you'd far rather, of course, have the option of seeing your friends and your families than not have that option. So it's a very odd year. And I hope the, there is some kind of, you know, sense of a uh, bit of optimism in there. One good positive thing that I'm going to be speaking about next week in the New Year Roundup, is how science has really come to the fore this year, you know? And we know that the vaccine is on its way. So, although it might get a bit more difficult, we know that we can see... What would a fucking two-bit politician say? Um, is darkest before the dawn? Yeah! That's what Christopher Nolan's brother would write, wouldn't he? Yeah. Whoever wrote The Dark Knight? Yeah. That's what Two-Face would say, isn't it? Yeah. It's Darkest Before the Dawn. Yes. So, um, by the way, where you can see these films is in the UK at least. You can see Scrooged on uh, Amazon Prime. You can see a Christmas uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol and Home Alone on Disney+. Plus. And you can see Outbreak on Netflix. Okay, and I expect it's probably similar in the States and everywhere else in the world where you're listening thank you ever so much for listening have a fantastic christmas and enjoy this so i saw a couple of films last couple of days in the run-up to christmas and some of these are ones that i've uh seen a few times you know like uh, Home Alone, I've seen a lot of times, and A Christmas, a Muppet's Christmas Carol as well, I've seen that a few times as well. But I went back to them, and I saw Outbreak for the first time in a long time, and I really like Outbreak a lot. Uh, but the main one that I saw, that I'd never seen before, is Scrooged. Do you know Scrooged? Yeah, I've seen
1: Scrooged. It's one of my favorites, Bill Murray in his prime.
0: Yeah, is it one of your favourite films
1: or one of your favourite Christmas with films with him? Yeah, yeah. Well, or one see, of your favourite Bill it, it's Murray it's films? In that bucket of time when he was uh, churning out constant in that bucket hits. of
0: time, yeah. In yeah, it, yeah, yeah, with his
1: with his charisma pouring. He's out very of his charismatic,
0: face. isn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah. But you know what? The the charisma is the thing really for that film with yeah. Bill.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I can't think of another actor who's got such a pockmarked face that's been that successful. And then when I well, thought There's that... Shrapnel
1: Davies, who uh, was standing too close to <laughs> the pump rooms in Bath when it was hit. Oh yeah, blitz. of
0: course. <laughs> is, that, is he um, related to Windsor Davies?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, they're, they're um,
0: was, he a big, was he a big movie star then?
1: Yeah, he was a, quite a big movie star, yeah. But he hasn't yeah. survived uh, into our shared memories of him. He was big oh, at the time. But forgotten now
0: yeah but this is actually about... in a way
1: the most selfless type of acting just living within the moment
0: yeah a bit like um james dean did you see that thing i posted of um Gilgert saying that no. he no not Gilgood. who's the guy that uh, alec guinness did you not see that alec guinness mm-hmm. predicted james dean's death he met up he went to hollywood in 1950 uh, 4, I think, or 52 or mm. somewhere, sometime in the early 50s yeah and he was uh, invited to dinner with James Dean Dina, he, with
1: him.
0: J- Dina with James Dean that's right he went to Dina and yeah. um, James Dean ran out of an Italian restaurant that that um, Alec Guinness couldn't get a seat at because it was full All Right. and he said, oh you can come and you can sit with me And so, he said, but before we go into the restaurant, I must show you my new car. And the car was all wrapped up, like in cellophane. Mm -hmm. And it had like a bouquet of flowers on it. And um, Alec Guinness said, oh, you haven't been in this car yet, have you? Have you driven this car? He says, no, I haven't driven it. It's got cellophane. cellophane. You can't drive a car when it's
1: in cellophane.
0: Exactly. Like, it really suggests that he'd never driven the car before. But he still asked. Have you done yeah, he very said, polite never drive that car because it's choose, it's, it's Thursday at 10pm. If you drive that car, by Thursday at 10pm next week, you'll be dead. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then he did die. The following Thursday, he drove into a tree, James Dean. That's how he died. In that so, car. The witnesses and, of that conversation,
1: you know, the two people who would be able to report back on that conversation being true, uh, a man who died couldn't do it, and Alec Guinness, who's renowned for trying to, he's renowned, isn't he, for wanting to come across as someone who can accurately
0: predict people's death. That's Zelig, trying to put himself in history. Yeah. He's constantly doing that, isn't he? Yeah. But there was a witness, though, the date that Alec Guinness bought on the thing, but I don't know, I haven't gone into it, you know, I don't know whether she's said anything on record, but it was the first and only time where he's had a kind of um, premonition, you know? Mm. Um, so anyway, on, on to Scrooge. <laughs> um, now, look, I, I really like this film. I think that it is a loose retelling of the uh, Christmas Carol story. I mean, plot-wise, it's quite similar. And that what I really like, the key feature of this film for me is the way that it deals with the, ti- the Tiny Tim story. Mm. The Timey Tim story. The
1: Timeless Tims.
0: Yeah, and, and the idea that, you know, Bob Cratchit is now his undervalued, underpaid PA, and her son, do you remember, her son uh, hasn't said anything. He's become a, um, a kind of mute character after the death of his father. Do you remember that? His father was murdered. This is a spoiler, by the way. Anyway, it's, it's, it's really good setup because you kind of think, you know, in the modern era, how are you going to kind of do a character like Tiny Tim, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, one, one way is to put it in America where, you know, you have to pay top dollar to get to the doctor, base. that's it, you know? Mm.
1: Mm. And so
0: it's quite, it's really well thought out that really well developed and actually unbelievably at the end guess what happens
1: what he falls down the stairs becomes no no no
0: (laughs) no no (laughs) no no not in the film guess what happened to me at the end of the film
1: oh uh... that's what i was
0: doing crying i was crying at the end of the film it got me i know how mad is that i really didn't expect it it was because of what happened at the end this is a big spoiler but anyway, it was really that aspect to it was brilliant and the most mm. effective bit. The ghost I didn't like the second ghost uh, at all, that angel character who was just like just stupidly beating up Bill Murray all the time. You know, I like mm. Bill Murray. The beginning of the film I thought was very strong with the pretend. Uh, you know, the the day that the reindeers died, the night the reindeers died. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where, um, Santa's grotto is kind of taken over by terrorists <laughs> and Lee Majors has to defend Santa. I really like that that was a very good beginning and all of that kind of like you know the lineup for the Christmas Eve uh, roster of shows on the TV so the, the the setup basically is the Christmas Carol story but Bill Murray plays this guy called Frank Cross and Frank is the executive. Of a, uh, a television studio, and the president is um, played by Robert Mitchum, which was nice to see. Robert Mitchum, you know, it's pretty good. So there's a couple of things I didn't really understand. Like, do you remember the bit where he's he plays the the dog? He's like in the dog costume. Do you remember that bit? <laughs> it's a very no. strange, very strange bit where he's with. Um, uh, Karen Allen, who I think is really great, Claire, his mm. girlfriend, who's mm. Karen Allen's from the um, Indiana Jones films, and uh, basically he's he's got this this gig as being the person in the dog costume for this children's TV show on this channel. But weirdly, the president of the of the network invites him to lunch, and it's kind of implied that like that's the moment where Karen Allen leaves him and says, well, I know that you're putting your career before me and you've been under a lot of stress because you're putting all your energy into making this dog show really good, like this kid's show. And it just seemed slightly weird because it's like, you know, one of the Teletubbies being invited to lunch by the, you know, the chief of the BBC and then going on to run the BBC. Do you know what I mean? It just seemed odd. (laughs) And I don't quite understand why, like, it wasn't that funny him pretending to be a dog. Like, they could have kind of had him as a, I don't know, like some kind of junior, I don't know, television program or something, you know. Anyway, that's a bit, that's, I didn't like that. So that kind of drew the film down. I like the first, the first ghost a lot. I like the last ghost a lot as well with the television face, the death with the TV face. Do you remember that? That's really good. I like that. It was my favourite ghost. I mean, it wasn't scary at all, but, you know, it was quite good. And the first ghost, his old boss, that was really good. And the bit, he's like this kind of zombie character. Do you remember that? He, he pushes Bill Murray out of the window and then the glass kind of seals up between the kind of zombie hand that's got uh, Bill Murray around the throat and Bill Murray is like, you know, kind of 20 stores up, floating in the air—not floating, but like, you know, kind of being struck by the uh, old zombie wrist round the neck, zombie wrist, <laughs> zombie hand. And then Bill Murray starts to pull at the at the zombie arm, and the zombie arm starts to crumble around, crumble down. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And then he no, falls. it's brilliant.
1: All the things I can't remember from this film—it sounds like all of can't that. Remember I can't
0: remember. Yeah, I don't remember it. any of it. But generally speaking, I did like it. I can see why people go back to it. I was quite in, you know, it hasn't aged well. It's incredibly just sexist and stuff that you would never put in a film these days, you know. You'd never put in any film. Like there's a bit where one of the dancers, the people are complaining that you can see the nipples of one of the dancers. And it's just this scene of people like looking at this woman's nipples so yeah. it's very odd like you know in a way that the film is from 1988 and it really feels like it's from 1988 from that point yeah. of view you know so there's some things that just don't work like at all and generally speaking though I did think it was good but the ending I guess it was just an improvised you know the the, 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 the scripts had something but he just kind of went for his own his own thing about <laughs> how it's important to do, you know, good charitable works at Christmas time and all year round. I didn't really think that that end monologue was powerful. But then having said that, of course, when Tiny Tim does his thing, you know, right. it did work for me because I was crying, you know. Mm. So there must have been something in, in whatever Bill Murray was improvising that kind of did one. So I would say um, three out of five stars for that one. Scrooged. So, mm. all things combined, including... R- rate up moment. to... Imagine
1: this crying bit isn't there. So, you, it hasn't made you cry. What? Well, how many stars would it get?
0: I, probably two and a half. Okay, so, half so it's an extra star half star more.
1: for making you yeah.
0: cry. Good, good. Yeah. Mm. Now, a Muppet's Christmas Carol, that, this is far more um, connected to the Dickens text. I mean, like, it uses the Dickens text. Yeah. as the basis of the script. There's yeah. so much of the actual text in there, you know? And, um, and 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 also, Scrooge uses the actual text very cleverly, not as much, but, you know, very key moments, especially yeah. with the Tiny Tim character. I do like Michael Caine. He's my favorite Tory in the whole world, and I do like him, you know? I think he's a good actor, and I do like him. Having said that, I never really have seen Scrooge as a, a basically a kind of heavy, you know, he's Mm. like, do you know what I mean, like Michael Caine is an imposing physical specimen of a man, you know, he is, I always thought that Scrooge was a bit kind of like a lot, like a bit like Mr. Burns, you know, Mm. old and frail, essentially, Mm. so it doesn't really work, but also Michael is really good in it, you know, and he plays it, he's a very good actor, and he plays it straight, and there's no mucking about, and it works because, you know, the Christmas Carol, the story works, and the Muppets, none of the songs are particularly memorable, but it is, uh, you know, it's a faithful uh, adaptation of a Christmas Carol with a compelling lead, compelling, even though he's a toy, and, you know, the Muppets make it fun, but it also, it isn't like spectacular. It didn't make me cry or whatever, you know? Mm. Um, so I think I'd give that three out of five as well. Yeah.
1: Good, that's a, a
0: neat review
1: of Muppets Christmas Carol. Very succinct. Very succinct, now, very we're... fleeting. With um, Muppets Christmas Carol, the last time I watched, I thought this is my favorite adaptation of Christmas Carol. Oh, really? Definitely, yeah. More than and I guess I think, And I think it's partly because it does stick so well to the text, but it's also, The absurdity of the Muppets leading it, and you caring about the Muppets—it's just a brilliant extra layer, isn't it? You know, you're watching this thing, you're getting carried along by it, and all of a sudden you stop and think, these are all these characters are all like pigs and frogs and everything. Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, very
1: lovable ones.
0: The production design is very good, isn't it? You know, it looks Mm. lush. It's also nice that it's pre-CG, you know, for the most part.
1: For the most part, so you've got.
0: You know that Michael Caine is dealing with a bunch of puppeteers, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, and I just I think it comes through the love in it comes through, and then you've got the who is it Gonzo, and then the the rat character that he's with narrating right. the story, and it's a joyous. It has a pantomime element to it because of that. I'd say, you know, yeah. very in a, in a in a the fondest way of using the word pantomime. I think it's it's got that. It breaks the fourth wall in just the right ways, and I love it.
0: Do you like it more than Scrooge then? Yeah, I th- well, I'm newer to Scrooge.
1: I suppose I only encountered it. I think I was in my probably my late twenties or even early thirties when I first saw Scrooge. So for me, that was more Scrooge was more about discovering this sort of previously unknown for me. Um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film from Bill Murray's prime yeah. years. So it's brilliant. It's like oh, it's him in in his kind of Groundhog Day and Ghostbuster years. And so I was enjoying it on that level rather than as a adaptation of Scrooge, I think.
0: Sure, yeah. And what about Home Alone now? How, what are your feelings towards Home Alone? I watched
1: it again yesterday, all the way okay. through, and I watched it and I was thinking a lot about the fact that I've probably seen it too many times now and starting to find that it's sort of, it doesn't particularly pluck my nostalgia genes anymore. <laughs> um you know the way it used to uh cuz it's sort of worn itself out a little bit um, yeah. but i and i've also it's one of those films that sort of does crop up on uh whenever podcasters talk about christmas films they do like talking about home alone so it feels very very familiar ground to me um yeah it's in the air a lot all the time isn't it it is yeah you can hardly breathe in because of it i know it's
0: um, like fucking covid
1: it is, it's like, it is essentially the the film version of Covid. We need and masks
0: just... to protect ourselves from
1: it. That's right. Imagine if they'd written Home Alone 2 Lost in New York around the time when they were clamping down on all of the um, on all the measures of travelling and everything, but they'd still decided to make it. So it was like, then it became genuinely Home Alone, because he was still at home.
0: Did you, uh, did, well, okay. Macaulay Culkin, he really doesn't do anything. I I don't think, I can't understand. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything about Macaulay Culkin, in terms of how the hell did he get into the position of being the, the, you know, the protagonist in a film. You know, he's no Shirley Temple, do you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying, you know? He doesn't have the charisma, you know? He doesn't even have the charisma of the kid in bloody E.T. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> very difficult to be a child actor, you know, but he's not even Hayley Joel Osment, you know? And he mm. certainly isn't River Phoenix, okay? I mean, he's very, very low down the list in terms of child actors that can uh, carry films, yeah? Mm. I can't What quite, work, I don't know what is going on with, like, how he got into that <laughs> position of carrying that movie. I just don't see it. I've never seen it. I mean, maybe I'm, you know... And I, what, what, when did it come out? Do you know? Was it like... 1990.
1: 19... And before 1990. that, he was in Uncle Buck, with, uh, also with oh, John right. Candy. Oh, right, okay. Oh, and, okay, um, okay. So he was, he was considered... John Hughes, who did, also did Uncle Buck, saw a lot in him. And I think audiences connected with him a lot around the time of Uncle Buck. And he did That's carry yeah. Home Alone well enough to make for them to make the second film. So audiences yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time were really into him. And I think he's partly because they found him quite cute, there is a quality to him. I'm not completely puzzled as to his appeal, uh, but I was his a. You know, I, I was eight years old. No, ten when Home Alone, the first Home Alone, came out.
0: Oh wait, because I was fifteen.
1: Yeah, so you. I you, think you probably you, you born that in 1980 way. then. 19, 1979, just at the tail end of 1979.
0: Okay, dokie, yeah. No, I probably that. Might, that's probably a big difference between mm. ten, eleven, or fifteen. You know. Mm very big difference so maybe that's maybe that's it maybe that's the key you know maybe Maybe, I'm just just a tiny bit too old it's very much a kid's
1: film I mean and it starts going into all the slapstick and
0: everything but there are things I like in Home Alone all Mm. of that slapstick stuff doesn't do it for me but I really do like um, your man Joe Pesci Joe Mm. Pesci it's really good that they got Joe Pesci in that film and a big scoop I think yeah like in a big way you know Mm. Um, in the same way that it was good to see Robert Mitchum which kind of, you know, just gives a bit of a gravitas to Scrooge that wouldn't be there otherwise. In the same way, you know, it kind of, you feel like you can get behind Joe Pesci as a baddie, you know? Mm, yeah. The goofball that he's with, I don't really have much time for. It's a slightly strange, I think it's, it's supposed to be like a, what would you do if you were in this situation type movie, you know? For kids. If you had the run of the house at Christmas time and you could kind of do anything, you know, all the rules are out the window, you know? Did he really exploit it uh, to its fullest potential? I mean, maybe he did as a 10 year old, maybe he did, but also maybe not, you know?
1: (laughs) You would have done things a bit differently.
0: I would have gone out hunting. I would have got fucking, you know, made my own veal, you know, Mm. my gutted, gutted deer and stuff. Yeah. I mean I really would have gone to town. I would have probably d- done a bit of a pointing work on the uh, propositional disorder in the backyard, you know. But you
1: have I mean, home invaders coming in distracting you from this important perfectionism well, that, is that you're trying to employ. Yeah, that is true.
0: But why doesn't he just phone the police? Or does he phone the police?
1: Um, yeah, Do the police I don't know why he think doesn't. think he's
0: kidding? Maybe the police think he's kidding. I think there is a police.
1: I don't think he does phone the police. I think that that's something that, I think he's just scared of, yeah, I don't know why he doesn't. There's a few things like that, that you kind of think, well, why, I suppose the film would just end, that's the problem. But you do, when you've got those little bits of logic where you just think, why doesn't a character just do this? Yeah, You yeah, do think yeah. that the, the writers and directors and so on should have raised it so they could at least eliminate that idea
0: from yeah, the audiences' yeah. minds. Yeah, yeah. I have,
1: I do, I do still have a soft spot for it because I encountered it when I was ten, and I agree with you completely. I think it's partly it's the Christmas tropes, so it does return as a Christmas film. Yeah, it's very Christmasy. Released every couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the John Williams music as much as anything that does that. Throughout all of the films that he composes for, like one of the things that makes you feel like you're watching something brilliant is the music. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If, if, Can you remember you know, we... the music? Can you remember how it goes? From Home Alone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Diddle <laughs> mean, diddle, ding ding ding, know. But, it does go on, yes, it does go on, boom 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 15 boop boop doo doo, ding 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 ding
0: ding 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 now, one thing I do have to address is the end is slightly weird. Like the, so the, the, uh, the mum goes to extraordinary lengths to try to get back to, uh, to Macaulay Culkin's character. yeah. And so she does the bus journey with the um, polka f- uh, band and then she gets back to Chicago. But then her family just wait in the airport and they get the morning flight and they basically all arrive at the same time. Like, the mum arrives five minutes before the rest of the family. And it's like, it's not, you know, there's no big deal made out of that, which just seems a bit odd. And also the main thing that seems a bit odd is in the end, so this guy, he's kind of done, I'm not too sure about the character development. Like, the idea is that, you know, at the beginning, he can't pick his socks up from his bedroom floor. And at the end, he's gone shopping. And everyone's like, oh, this goofball's gone shopping. Oh, like, he couldn't pick up his... Uh, his uh, tissues off the floor or whatever Mm. and that's like supposed to be the character development but it's like he's happy Macaulay he's happy to just like oh yeah that was it that didn't happen you know almost and I'm gonna basically just slot into my role in the family as it was at the beginning Mm. of all of this you know Mm. just seemed slightly odd like kind of things went back to normal if you like like you Mm. know he gets a little bit of kudos from Buzz because he went shopping. But I kind of, like, it just seems slightly odd that it didn't make the most of, you know, the story. Do you know what I mean? The Mm. ending is supposed to be celebratory because the family are back, but it isn't to do with the uh, invention and the ingenuity of the child Mm. to defend the home from these home invaders, you know? That's Mm. not really a part of the ending. It's just that this happened And then the family back and then boat back to square one, if you like, Mm. you know, so that rankles, that really rankles with me. Yes. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I feel like what the film needed to resolve was that family. Cohesion—that was what the film was ultimately. That's where its emotional ending is. And then he goes out the window and he checks that the family, that the old man's family, are also together. And that's obviously that's the core of the the core message. Insofar as there is a message of the film, is that family connection. And like you're, yeah, you're right. But I suppose also if I was in that situation and my family had just arrived within those first few minutes, I wouldn't say, oh, and also, um, while you're away, just I'd let you know. (laughs) So you know that policeman that was standing there with the gold tooth right at the start of the <laughs> film, just before you left. And I was home alone. I like it how they but yeah, so there's so I think probably I wouldn't shoehorn that in myself in that in, in those moments. I would and yeah, I think really. the okay. I think the film is allowing those few moments to play out sort of in in real time. You know, right doesn't cut to That's right,
0: yes. yeah, five hours later and, and
1: they're having a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just lets yeah. that emotional ending be what it needs to be. Um
0: yeah,
1: yeah um, but
0: wouldn't it have been better if it kind of like, you know, cut to a new scene, like at bedtime or whatever, and the mum's going, oh, it's so good that we're all together at Christmas. And he says, by the way, you know, this is what happened. You know, no, it wouldn't have been better. What am I talking about? I think about probably that would have, that
1: been, would have been, been a distraction, distraction sort of like an ending <laughs> tagged on. Uh, do you notice yeah, how many times terrible. everyone says home alone within the film as well? I noticed it um, when I was watching it yesterday. Everyone was continually saying our son is home alone and everyone was like behaving that. as if they knew what that meant
0: Yeah, it must it's have like, been a, a phrase that was used in, the, in America in 1990 do you Like think? Stranger Danger, do you remember Stranger Danger? Nobody ever says I do Stranger remember that, Danger yeah. anymore because but, everybody yeah. knows about it isn't The Strangers aren't the danger, you know But um, maybe imagine a film called Stranger Danger That would be brilliant and everyone could
1: really be good. continually saying Stranger Danger throughout the film as well.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: In the it's same incredible way.
0: they have made a film called Stranger Danger, really. Maybe there is a film called Stranger There's Danger. There's a window of
1: opportunity where it could have been done. Well, in that's a the sequel. Way. Stranger
0: Danger 2 window of opportunity. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's a very Hitchcock inspired film, that one. It's going to be like Rear Window. It'll be.
0: Yeah, uh, it's about Sydney Window. Yeah. Sydney Window makes the most of what comes along.
1: Sydney Window (laughs) is a big opera house with just like one little window at the back that overlooks a a trading estate. And he's going, oh, really sad. That's that's where his eye is. The building's eye is this window that looks out across this trading estate. And he's just—it's a miserable view. He's got the whole beautiful Sydney Harbour all around the other way, all around him, sweeping around. But his view, his only eye is looking out across this trading estate where there's people continuously offloading boxes and bringing in lots of packages and things and bringing them back and forth and it's awful it's like the most soul-crushing life that an opera house could have and uh, the film unfolds actually he's the sole witness to a series of crimes that unfold in this trading estate, these packages start becoming sinister. He notices uh, peculiar shapes, like long human-length packages yeah. that start coming out. And he starts <laughs> thinking, how am I going to communicate what I'm witnessing? As an opera house, with no yeah. limbs or voice. How
0: did you do did Well, you that's, do what the
1: film will, that's what the film will have to unveil over Christ time. For
0: Christ's sake. Alright, okay. Now, last thing, because we've got to wrap up. Last one, mm. very quick. Review of Outbreak. Yes. And I'll list also, by the way, I'll list for everyone listening, where you can see these in the UK, at least. It's probably the same in most places. Um, Outbreak, brilliant. Have you ever seen that? Outbreak, I've it's not, really no, no, brilliant. I've never seen Outbreak. It, it, it's really good, mainly because of Dustin Hoffman, who does this... I mean, talk about charisma. He... Oh, God, he is the best. It's a mad setup, whereby there's a kind of... Um, you know, COVID-like airborne uh, virus, new virus going around is yeah. far worse than COVID in terms of the mortality rate. But uh, they, they think that the people that made this film, they think, oh, that's not dramatic enough. What we also need is a uh, bioweapons conspiracy thriller on top of it. Right. Mm. So there's this weird story whereby um, uh spoiler alert, by the way. There's this weird story whereby um, what's his name, uh, Donald Sutherland, plays the baddie who's trying to do this big kind of like massive 30-year cover-up, whereby they have uh, they they saw this disease 30 years ago in Vietnam, and they made a, a, a thingy for it, like a a um, vaccine for it, uh, but it's a big cover-up because they want to use the disease as a weapon. You know, in the future, Mm -hmm. they kind of like just kind of have it in their back pocket, if you like, if they need like a terrible weapon to use. And so when it kind of like, when the outbreak happens, they've got the vaccine, but they need to cover up the fact that they know about it and that they have the vaccine, you know. And so it's very odd, very overblown. There's lots and lots of things which are just absolutely daft and stupid, including the ending of the film. It's The film is resolved around the charisma of Dustin Hoffman, and it really is like a striking Hoffman performance. Quite surprising. They wanted um, Harrison Ford to do it, and it is like a real Harrison Ford role. It's mm. directed by the guy that did Air Force One, uh, Wolfgang Peterson. So it is like feels like a Harrison Ford movie with Dustin Hoffman in it. You know, mm. but it's really, it's, it's. There's something very entertaining about it. It's very schlocky. It's not as good as. Scrooge, or I'd say two and a half, yeah, two and a half, I think I'm going to give Home Alone two and a half as well, yeah, two and a half out of five for Home Alone, two and a half out of five for Outbreak, and was it three out of five, wasn't it, for the other two, yeah. You give three wow, out of five Christmas for Carol. Christmas
1: Carol, I think,
0: you need you to revise a...
1: your star rating system, to do you check it. Do you think? I do think that, uh, yeah.
0: Well, maybe you're I, right. Did I give? I mean, one of them, one of those screens? films has to
1: rise above. You need to say which is your favourite out of these ones. Which one would you well, put on Scrooged. the shelf?
0: It's screws It's Scrooged. I would say. For mm. all of its, there's something uh, kind of seedy that I really don't like about it, and something, a bit kind of gritty, but not in a good way that I don't like about it. Mm. You know, it's amazing. It's a PG. It wouldn't be a PG now if it no. was if the same film was made now it would be at least a 12 and also by the way Outbreak is full of swearing like it's unbelievable swearing
1: oh good i you know that I'm really now.
0: against swearing mm. um, yeah so any final comments on these um oh, yeah maybe I was a bit too harsh on a Muppets Christmas Carol it's the best maybe...
1: Muppets thing that was ever made I reckon.
0: Yeah, it didn't make me cry though. Well, that's
1: true. If it, but then Scrooge won't probably won't make you cry next time, and you you'd you find yourself. Well, that, that's a very that good drink. point.
0: Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, yeah. And it's always about the kind of where you're at in your life as well, you know. Because yeah. I've got a, obviously my son is quite close to the age of the boy in, in Scrooge. You know, He's a bit younger, oh. but not that much younger. Well, listen, this has been a real thrill. <laughs> So, thank you so much for your expertise, and your insights, and your um, avoidance, mainly uh, your avoidance.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Happy Christmas.
1: Happy yourself gripped, sir. Happy Christmas. And some strange thing came over me, some almost different voice, and I said, look, I won't join your table unless you want me to, but I must say something please do not get into that car, because if you do, and I looked at my watch, and I said, if you get into that car at all, it's now Thursday, whatever the day it was, uh, 10 o'clock at night, and by 10 o'clock at night, next Thursday, you'll be dead if you get into that car. I, oh, nonsense. Someone had dinner, we had a charming dinner, and he was dead the following uh, Thursday afternoon in that car. It was one of those odd, odd things. Where, where did, I mean, has it ever happened to you before? <laughs> no, I'm glad to say. But it was one of a very, very odd, spooky experience.
0: After an extraordinary year, you have a couple of days break and a lovely celebration if you are celebrating. And that is the end of episode 203. 204 is the big look back over the year, dropping New Year's Eve. When what's that? Next Thursday, I think it is. Yeah, something like that. 31st. You know the bloody date, don't you? Yeah. Now, there's only one creature that deserves our respect at this time of year. Fuck all the others. We're talking reindeer here. Beautiful, red nose. Oh, lovely. And the antlers, Oh, lovely, don't tell me. Do they have antlers? Don't tell me. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, do they have antlers? I don't know. I just like uh, butchering normal deer, you know? Fucking normal deer. Um, now, one, two, that was a beautiful intro, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely. Really respect the creature with that. Intro to it, to, to it being um, sacrificed on the altar of the raindrops, because you know that's what happens to them. Yeah. Anyway, one, two, three, walk between the raindrops, get in contact if you like, tweet at uh, podcastingcovid or email at uh, social distance podcast at gmail.com. Take care. See you later.